0: What do you need to build a tribe? And, and, you know, the number one tool in all of this is trust, Um, and it's the kind of number one tool in anything, really, in terms of building something with other people, um, or maintaining or sustaining something.
1: Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, the number one ranked entrepreneurship podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and those aspiring to be so. The aim of this show is to showcase the world's most inspiring and interesting people who've decided to screw it, just do it. We offer 20% inspiration and 80% education, giving you the tools and advice to start, grow and scale a successful business. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, podcast agency owner with a number one podcast and startup advisor to global startup generator and early stage VC, Antler. Each week, I release two episodes, a Q&A every Wednesday with one of the world's most inspiring figures, plus a solo episode every Saturday where I cover the challenges that all of us are facing as entrepreneurs. Welcome to episode 256 of Screw It, Do It with me, Alex. And this week, it's my pleasure to welcome Ben Keane, co-founder of The Rebel Book Club. So I first met Ben Core four or five years ago, maybe five years ago now. We're both working as mentors, business advisors with Virgin Startup. I ended up uh, carrying on and becoming a delivery partner for Virgin Startup, helping entrepreneurs with funding and mentoring. Helped over 500 in the end, access uh, 5 million plus worth of Funding through the government's startup loan scheme. Um, Ben's still connected with Virgin Startup himself, but he's gone on to do many, many things, and he's got a pretty impressive back catalogue too. But he spent—he's basically spent twenty years working to create a positive impact through startups and through his adventures. So. In 2006, he co-founded Tribe Wanted, an ambitious crowdfunding ecotourism project that built an online and an on-island village. He's helped over 500 founders get their ideas out into the world through Escape School, Escape the City, and the last five years, as I say, as a business advisor and mentor at Virgin Startup. But his main focus today is building a global non-fiction reading and doing community, Rebel Book Club. And... He is finally about to launch a new podcast called Tribe Builders as well. So keeping close tabs on that, this is your accountability call, Ben. Let me know how you're getting on with that. And he just wants to share stories and learnings from the people who have successfully built purposeful communities. So I was super excited to get Ben on one of our, lives that we're doing, which I'm now putting on here for you all to enjoy. And during this episode, we talk about trust being the main component to tribe building or building anything. Ideas being a multiplier of execution. An idea without action is never going to move. Successful communities are those who help solve a problem like our healthcare system at the moment, for example. And the five R's for tribe building reason, ritual, rhythm, respect, and reward. And apart from trust, empowerment being crucial to effective tribe building. I think you're going to really enjoy this. This is literally one of my favourite webinars that we've done over the last 100, 130 days or so um, that I've now repurposed onto uh, the Screw It, Just Do It podcast. So I hope you enjoy this. Screw It, Just Do It, Ben Keen. (laughs) Um, and I'll hand over to
0: Ben, take it away sir. Oh, thank you very much, great to be here. Be part of a festival, even though we're all at home, uh, especially an enterprising one, always a good one. Nice to see you everybody. Um, what I'd love to hear as well, if you pop in the chat, is like your, answer your questions, but if you've been involved with building community yourself, uh, any kind, whether it's been uh, business or maybe closer to home, um, and what you've, what you've learned from it, biggest challenges, um, And or the biggest successes of it as well because it's not an easy thing to do and we're all part of it in some shape or form Um, so I want to share today with you I want to share a few stories of some of the communities I've been involved with uh, building mainly they are built around businesses and trying to solve a problem in the world or go on a big adventure together so they're quite purposeful focused communities Um, and some of the lessons I've learned from that over the last sort of 15 years or so and then I'm going to share a few tactics for how what I've learned from that, and how what works, and maybe what doesn't, um, and a little structure that might then help you with your own community building um, now or in the near future, because they can be complicated, overwhelming things. Um, but I thought I'd start with um, a sort of a love books. This isn't just for shows. It's, you know, I run a book club, so this is these are, I draw on these all the time. Um, but start with uh, an old friend, you probably know this guy, uh, Mr. Mm -hmm. Senko. then you get his daily newsletter, uh, one of the best sort of short writers online. And he wrote this great book, which has influenced many people, I think around community building uh, called Tribes, uh, which you don't need to go and read, but it is quite a short one. But anyway, his definition of a tribe, which I think is useful for what we're talking about today. He says, a tribe is a group of people connected to one another, connected to a leader and connected to an idea. For millions of years, human beings have been part of one tribe or another. A group A group needs only two things to be a tribe, a shared interest and a way of communicating. So even what we're doing this morning is a little bit tribal. It's where we've got a shared interest and we are communicating in some shape or form. Um, but really tribes begin because someone says, I'm gonna do this thing, come and join me. And if you think back to the kind of, even site, the example of like Danny Wallace, Um, before he wrote yes man that sort of like i don't know if you remember that book from the i think it was early 90s where it was called join me and he took out an ad in a paper and it said join me and then his postal address and that was it there was no reason for joining and people started sending him letters saying danny i want to join you i really want to be part of this i can't wait to see what we do together And it's the story of like what happened when you invite people to join you in that kind of cult-like journey. Uh, So I'm not proposing that as a solution to community building, but it is the key part is inviting people to join you on a journey somewhere Um, and and that excitement. So I've got a few stories here. So I'll just put these slides um, live. So I'm going to move away from the questions for a minute, but um, uh, I will come back to them for sure. So... um, How to bring people together to solve problems. Yeah, it's easier to do it together. Um, So the the starting point for me on all of this is about asking the right kind of questions or not even the right kind of questions, just asking good questions, uh, being curious. Now, if you're entrepreneurial by nature um, or you've become that way, you are naturally or by habit curious. Um, So this is really important when you're thinking about community building. So this is a question my... um, I think four, she was four at the time, four-year-old daughter asked me, Daddy, why doesn't the sea fall off the world when we were watching the sunset uh, into the sea? You know, it's a very clear, obvious, direct question, but it's quite a tricky one to answer uh, to a four-year-old straight away. Uh, in the next breath, Daddy, when a baby has two dads, where does she get her milk? uh you know in the fridge maybe but it's like children are brilliant asking really direct clear questions about what they're observing in front of them and we've become we start to ask complicated or non-direct questions as we get older in life so it's getting back to that sort of clarity of like what are we really curious about and how can we ask a good question and if you think about some of the most In hindsight, powerful or best questions you've asked, either of yourself or of someone else. Will you marry me? Would you like to start a business with me? Uh, What if we tried this? Um, And what they led to, you can see the importance of asking good questions. So that's the starting point, really. So here's a couple of questions I've asked myself over the last 15 years that have led to interesting outcomes and community building projects. Um, The first one, uh, it was a pretty big one for me, at least. Uh, so I was in my mid-20s and uh, there was a space called, in fact, I'm just going to jump out these slides here because I would love to see some hands raised. Did anyone here who's watching this at the moment um, have a MySpace account? Give us a wave if you had a MySpace account or an MSN Messenger account. Yeah. Warren was on that. You had that too, Pete. Yeah, MSN Messenger, MySpace. So MySpace in the mid sort of, 2000s was the social network it was the online community and it was based around music um another quiz question did anyone ever can you remember the first band that truly like launched off the back of myspace um successfully without having a big record label behind them and then they went global quite quickly chris you're going for gold today chris that is the correct answer. To the afterthought.
1: I was going to say that. I was going to say that.
0: There you go. And what was it for a bonus point? What was the single that launched them globally oh. off the back of MySpace? This is what you're here for the music quiz. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so, uh, yeah, I bet you look good on the Dance Floor. There you go. Hey. You, you beat me just about. You type <laughs> That's nice of that. Nice of you to pay that compliment to a stranger on the internet. Um, so yeah, that's what happened. They went global off the back of MySpace, and it was all around community building, and that shook up the music industry and uh, a lot of industries. Obviously, follow innovation and in music. So uh, anyway, in terms of how it impacted me, asking this question about building a sustainable community on a remote island is we. I was uh, writing a blog about um, career breaks at the time, and uh, it was my way of trying to get questions and ideas out into the world. And a guy got in touch with me on MSM Messenger and he said, Have you seen what's happening on my space with the Arctic Monkeys? And I was like, who are you? What are you talking about? Why are you contacting me? And he gave me a bit more of the backstory and he said, Do you think a similar thing might work on in the sort of in a physical place or on like a in a in the travel space? So could you have a place in the world that was that was connected to an online community? And I was like, this is an interesting question. Like in 2020, you know, even, a, even a, a water bottle has an Instagram account, right? But back then, 2005, the idea of, of physical places, whether it was desert islands or cafes or hotels having their own social media, profiles was a very new you know it was a new concept so so we thought well this would be cool if we could build an online community around a destination if so where would it be um and that online community would support it getting involved with the story maybe even fundraise for the project and so on so i thought this was a really interesting idea so we threw this question together and then we went on google and tapped in islands for sale or islands for rent and that takes you into kind of whole whole world of super rich people and yachts but also amazing islands around the world that you can get sent to your inbox every day. Um, and we figured out that we could potentially rent an island um, if we got a crowd together. Um, so this is what we did. We launched something called Tribe Wanted. And we said, do you want to be part of this online community that's going to build a sustainable tourism community? And we found this island in northern Fiji through a, a random internet trail that eventually led us to achieve chief uh, on this island who's looking to rent it and build an ecotourism project there. so that's where we went and we launched this project and we got enough attention of members to join that we um we were able to fundraise or at least pay for the lease of the island for three years um and invest in that local community and build it. so you can see on this in this picture the three little houses that were there and that flat land that those sort of palm trees is where we built our sustainable tourism project alongside the local community and we had a five-year adventure there uh here we go this is a nice view of it so this beautiful. is uh, sorry Pete. that's beautiful isn't it yeah well wow. exactly It's a kind of paradise in many ways and and so if you think in from a community building perspective this was almost you know the reason it got a lot of publicity at the time was because this was sort of ticking all those boxes of like, okay, so a group of young people go to the remote island. It was a bit like the beach or Lord of the Flies or anything like that. And um, they're going to build this new kind of community with local partners and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, they were waiting for everything to go wrong. And of course, there were lots of challenges with this project, but we did manage to get through them um, and learn a lot about the community building in the process. Um, And one of the biggest things I learned in that journey was that, The conversation between when you're talking across cultures, especially when you're community building, you can be speaking the same language. In this case, English. Uh, The Fijian community we work with spoke really, uh, really good English. And you can speak the same language, but actually it's very easy to misunderstand each other because of the cultural differences. So in traditional Fijian culture, you say yes to everything, whether you mean it or not, because you want to help. And so you can say, uh, can we borrow your boat? Yes. But what they don't necessarily mean yes. And so, <laughs> so it gets complicated quite quickly. And we know this in business too. Uh, here you go. Here's a picture of uh, me uh, looking like we're auditioning for the series of Lost with my first uh, business partner in Fiji. So Twee Mali, 65-year-old island chief who'd never, uh, who'd never been online at that stage anyway. And we helped bring people there and investment in the community and he shared his culture and land and, and it, was a, it was a wonderful experience. And I think one of the other big learnings from this uh, journey of community building there was like you don't know who your partners are going to be until you ha- are aligned on your mission. So when you're aligned like a, any good business partnership, when you're aligned on a mission together to solve a problem, to generate revenue, whatever it is, You're much more likely to build a stronger community so your purpose your reason for existence as a community is crucial in terms of building it so that was tribe wanted i could talk to you about that all day uh because it was a great adventure but i can't right now so the next question i asked is uh not i asked a good friend of mine asked and i got involved with trying to help solve it um, was what if we could turn underprivileged talent into role models so um, I'm just gonna to talk to my daughter really quickly. I'm gonna be coming in a few minutes, okay. I'm chatting okay. Um, what if we could turn under, underprivileged talent into role models? So this was in Ghana in West Africa where a good friend of mine had uh, was traveling and he'd help get involved with starting a small football charity um to fund and support. Uh, underprivileged kids who are very talented and motivated to try and build their football skills and build a career there. Um, 20 years later, Right to Dream is the leading uh, young sports football academy in the across the continent, both for boys and girls, and they've won every under-15 tournament multiple times all over the world. So, the idea there was like, how can you, by starting with a big question and starting with a few players and a a bit of support, how can you build a global community around supporting young young and underprivileged talent? So these are big questions we're asking at the stage. They don't always have to be it, but asking big questions often leads to a great start of a new community. What if we could walk on water? Well, this was uh, a group of people, it was Dutch people, um, who wanted to start a new kind of school, a creative leadership school. This was about 10 years ago. And I was lucky to be part of the first class. So the school is called Think, T-H-N-K.org. And the way they built their community of uh, participants uh, from around the world, once they got them there, was to take them on this sort of classic team building day. So this is up in the north of uh, the Netherlands, where you can walk at low tide across to one of the islands. Um and it's thinking about this plays into the idea in terms of community building of ritual. Like, what is the thing that's unique to what you do? It doesn't have to be as spectacular as this or going to desert islands or starting football academies. But what is the thing that's unique and special to your community that's going to, like, make people feel like they're part of it? Um, and it doesn't have to be weird, some weird, funny handshake, but it can be an entertaining thing whatever it is, but what's the thing that makes people go, oh, I've been initiated, I'm part of this tribe now. Um, and then you celebrate properly as a community as well on Queen's Day in Amsterdam. So there we go. And then another question, what if we could help people on Mondays? So a couple of guys who are stuck in their jobs, um, sort of the last time we went through a big economic downturn in 2008 and they were like there's got to be more to life than this even though we're very lucky to be part of uh, have these have these great jobs uh, we're not that happy and we'd like to do something more fulfilling more creative more impactful with our careers they couldn't find the community that was going to help them do that so they decided to start their own they started to do it by having meetups in a cafe um through friends of friends and they said if you don't like your day job or you don't like Mondays, come and meet us and we'll talk more about how we can help each other. And alongside that, they started the newsletter, which was exciting opportunities in the world today, whether they were jobs or adventures. And people started sharing it and they became known as an organization called Escape the City, which I've been involved with a lot over the last decade. Um, I don't know if people have come across it. And it was really just built on this idea that, life's too short to not be working on something that matters to you, which Mm. will resonate hugely with this community and people as part of Festival of Enterprise. Um, And the thing that we learned building Escape City, certainly in the early years, the trade-off between making that transition from pre-escape, you know, stuck to post-escape, doing something more that we loved, um, however hard it was, there was pretty much everything was an upside, felt more in control, uh, had more positive impact, our well-being increased, all those good feelings. Um, and our financial security, surprisingly, was not compromised, or at least our perception of it wasn't compromised, didn't go down. Um, but a lot of this wouldn't have happened without that feeling of like, I'm not, I'm, I'm doing this as part of a group of people. So a lot of the stuff we did at Scape City was all around, how can we make, this, instead of making a career change by yourself, how can you do it as a group? Um, and that was really powerful and still is. Um, and one of the nice stories that came out of that and from a business point of view was uh, Pippa Murray, who this is in our backyard in Battersea. So this was 10 years ago now. And um, we ran a little competition called Escape to the Shed and Pippa uh, won it. And it was basically like, if you win this competition with your idea, You can stay in the shed in our back garden for three months rent free, and we'll support you with whatever your venture escape project is. So, Pippa moved in and she launched something called Pippa Nut, which I don't know if anyone um, enjoys, but very successful nut brand and product. Um, Yeah,
1: I didn't know that that was the story was tied to you with that. Yes.
0: Yeah, so that it was all Pippa, but we just, we just, gave her the space for a few months so she could double down because for a lot of people that question of shall i launch this project this community comes down to creating obviously the time and space in your life to do it and going for it as we know with business and um and winning that little competition was her her way of being able to go for it Uh, Mm. and she spent most of that summer um building a community online to then go and crowdfund uh, as well as crunching nut butters and selling them in markets on Saturday mornings. Um, and then the final question, I guess, that le- has led to the community I'm I'm really focused on now is, is this question of what if we could actually finish reading books. Uh, maybe not as big a question as some of the other ones I asked, but actually a really interesting one. So friend and I realized that we actually uh, had a similar type of books piled up on our Kindles that were all read between ten and twenty percent, or not past chapter three. And the Japanese have a word for this; they call it sonduku, which is like this never-ending pile of books on your on your table that you're like, "I want to read this," or like, you know, it's that idea of like your curiosity getting the better of you, um, and you can't you can't consume it all. So we're like, let's help people. Uh, ourselves and others read more uh, effectively and, and better habits and get value out of books, um, especially nonfiction books, which we're interested in. So we started Rebel Book Club, which was five years ago this month. And every month we've read one nonfiction book and people have joined us and we run a, yeah, a membership community. People are paid from day one. So there's some accountability there. And we've run lots of events, obviously now online, um yeah and that's that's been the journey of rebel book club and we've been able to collaborate with really oh Seth's got two mentions today already <laughs> it must sound like he's uh, so he should. <laughs> so he should uh he's good on this stuff Seth um so yeah we've had lots of great uh, collaborations so that those are some those are kind of some of the questions that i've asked that have led to uh being part of the starting Myself being part of projects at their early stage to build community. Uh, love that book, "The Hundred Year Life." Yeah, it's a good one. It's a really good one. It's quite a good one to read at the moment. I think around framing this idea of what does m- what do multiple careers or multiple uh, enterprises look like, rather than defining ourselves as a certain kind of. Um, you know, identity, uh, which none of us are here today are because we're trying to create things and make things happen. At an interesting time. So what do we, the next stage we want to share with you. Are there any questions at this point? Sounds like Fire Festival results. Thanks, Warren. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, when I watched Fire Festival, I had some weird flashbacks. Uh, luckily, we didn't go in it with, with quite the same attitude or budget, otherwise it might go away. Um, and yeah, the sad the impact that had on the local community in, in Barbados. Um, so the next stage of this is what do you need? What do you need to build a tribe? And and you know the number one tool in all of this is trust, um, and it's the kind of number one tool in anything really in terms of building something with other people, um, or maintaining or sustaining something. But what is it? Well, it's a confident relationship with the unknown. That's what trust is. Which we know all about, don't we? As, as entrepreneurs, uh, it is trust more than money that makes the world go round. Stiglitz, even as an economist, was right. And um, if you're curious, if you want to learn more about like the sort of importance of trust in the world right now, um, I'd recommend Rachel Botsman, who's uh, at Oxford, um, based in Oxford. Great on social media in terms of sharing all this stuff. And it's very connected to working with big business, especially on trust building. Um, and she's got a great book called Who Should We Trust? And she talks about the evolution of trust. So uh, if we if we zoom out in a big way, trust used to be all local. So it was all around small communities, indigenous, tribal communities, 150 people. Think of small villages today where you know everyone or, or a, a small business or community, 150 people, you just about know everyone. You can communicate vocally visually to everyone in in person. Then it moved to institutional, so nation states, churches, uh, uh, and then in latter days, corporations, mainstream media, you know, finance, uh, you know, big banks and so on. But we've seen in the last, you know, only really in the last 10, 20 years that start to break down or, or change. And so this is what's interesting now is that trust has started to be distributed or there's been there's now a lack of trust at scale in institutions. Um, and that makes the world complicated, obviously, as we know, uh, but also really interesting because distributed trust leads to all kinds of different uh, opportunities and models and so on. So this important context when you're thinking about communities is that especially as we build them, uh, online um, and and internationally is that distributed trust is a really it's, it's, it's there it exists and so that's what makes it easier to be able to do this now than maybe um, even 10 years ago I um, mean if you look at this list of kind of uh, brands for want of a better word things in the world um, think about where you know the relationship they have with trust so you know this for me is a sliding scale from something that where the majority might have, I mean, we're, all our relationships with these n- names and brands might be different, but for me, you know, the top of that m and then the sort of interesting sharing economy brands are the ones that where trust has been built very strongly all the way down to, you know, sort of political leaders that d- divided their countries in the world. Um, and so trust, in, it, it, you know, plays such an important part when you're building communities. Um, this is an interesting stat that's probably changed significantly in the last two months. Hmm. Um, the idea that co-working spaces were growing at phenomenal paces, and this idea that trust is distributed across physical space, and now we're seeing that shift even more online in, in the last in the last few weeks. So that it's really interesting to see what's happening. So, in terms of business models to try building community, because I see so many people attempt to build communities um, and I've been one of them but not do it with a particularly effective business model and I'm trying to get better at this so the key here is thinking about uh, how people are going to stay loyal how you're going to keep delivering quality and how you'll keep going to share keep sharing what you're doing and these are all leadership skills that really should be uh, you know I believe should be across every kind of business we're building, but they're especially important when we're talking about community building where you're inviting people to play a part in um in in the journey itself. so if you can get, Trust built across a network uh, in different places. And you've got a very clear purpose about where you're going what you're doing. You're on your way to having a happy tribe or a happy community. So that's the kind of backstory of it all. Here's some nice examples beyond the ones that I've been involved with. I think that do it really well. So So SoFar Sounds, um, you know, the Airbnb of music gigs. Uh, They got to, I believe, in February this year, 5,000 gigs in a month in over 200 cities around the world. Uh, really fantastic sort of all about supporting artists up and coming artists all about like spreading the word of good music and bringing back the intimacy to live music events and and community building um i actually spoke to rafe offer at another event who's the founder of so far last week and asked him what happened since since the crisis And, and he said you know we're so I thought he was going to be like, it's been the worst few weeks of our life mm-hmm. um, because they are complete dependent on in-person events. But he actually said, I'm so glad we spent 10 years working hard to build community and not just run events, music, you know, be a marketplace for local events. Because now we have this real coming together, like everyone's in the same boat, all the artists are struggling because they mm-hmm. they depended on the revenue of these events and the publicity from these events to grow. Um, and we're able to support each other. We've raised money for artists. We're supporting each other. We're figuring out ways through this. So that's the upside of community is when the going gets tough and you're in it together, as we've seen, you know, in the healthcare, um, communities in, in the world today, it, it, it's really powerful. It brings people together. So they're hard to build, but when the going gets tough, they're very, very valuable. Um, other projects I think I'm a fan of at the moment, they're doing really well. Oddbox. Um, started by a couple of Emily and Deepak a few years ago and they were just trying to figure out how to solve food waste. And they started buying uh, wonky fruit and veg from their local market in East London and then going and selling it you know, to the back door of restaurants. And um, They now have a very successful um, veg box scheme. Um, I think they've like tripled or quadrupled the number of boxes they're sending out in the last two months. It's been phenomenal growth for them. But a lot of the stuff they did in the early days was about supporting their local neighborhood, about connecting people who cared about food waste, about saying, how can we get this produce to you, take it from the market to you? And there was, the business model was really tough. They knew they'd have to scale Um, But a really great positive sort of community and brand building story for our times. Uh, One of my favorite kind of odd ones, going back to the travel, is The Adventurist. So these guys were all about, like, how do we make life less boring Um, and like drive one-litre cars to uh, Mongolia, rallies, and they've done loads of other crazy stuff, at the same time raising a huge amount of money uh, for Cool Earth, the rainforest charity. So what I love about The Adventurists is this idea that when you join them, the mindset is all around uh, like, yes, taking risks, but also being creative and letting that kind of like spirit of real adventure come out. And I think where Tough Mother had that for quite a long time, but maybe it got too contrived and, and that their business model ran in trouble. Whereas I think the adventurists maybe haven't been so financially successful, but their community is, is really impressive and their, their fundraising work as well. Um, But it's also applicable to, you know, really boring products and services we might call. So, Bulb is a is a energy provider. Um, it's a renewable energy provider that's only been around, I think, three years, but is one of the fastest growing utility companies. I think uh, certainly in the UK, if not if not beyond. Um, and their trick has been from the start to make you feel like you're on this mission with them to like get more green, um, cleaner energy into homes. And uh, they make it easy to spread. So their trick is that it's not a trick at all. It's an old school sales method. It's like, you know, 50 pounds. If you sign up via my link and I get 50 pounds in my account and you think, well, how on, how does this work at scale? But essentially they've built this massive network of sales reps for themselves who also happen to be their customers. This has been done before, but the feeling of the brand yeah. the community is like, we're, we're doing this together and we're making a dent as well as saving money um by doing this so they've they've just executed on it really really well um and then last couple of examples um i don't know if you come across this is really on the social enterprise space of beam started by alex stephanie a few years ago and he used to be ceo of just park you know the the the, um parking app um parking people's driveways and you know all that kind of stuff and so he knew a lot about the sharing economy he was like why but he wanted to play a part in solving um, the huge problem of homelessness. And so he dug into that and he was like, well, what if we could help people? He, what he kept hearing is people wanting to reskill themselves so to get back to work. Um, and so he's like, well, what if we could crowdfund people to reskill themselves back to work? So he started with one guy, helped him retrain as a plumber by getting a few people to chip in, and then it's just grown from there. So it was this What's powerful about crowdfunding in terms of community building is people coming together, yes, through making payments, but coming together to support a cause, a product, a person, a journey, a business. And that's why I think, you know, it's so effective at at sort of like there's so many people that support crowdfunding projects, even when they're not necessarily clearly going to get a return on that investment, either through the equity, even the Kickstarter products, they don't know when or where they're going to get it, or in this case, it's obviously much more around the charitable support. Um, but the point is, it's the feeling that being part of that, clearly in the case of Beam, but in, in other crowdfunding channels as well, that you get to, to you're, you're part of something and it's belonging and that that's human nature. Ella's Kitchen, great example of like how it was done in the food industry, kids' industry, like feeling like you're part of like, oh, this is organic, we're doing something better for our children. Um, And it was led with the child's voice as well. Um, Really powerful stories. And of course, a lot of these come through what we would call now purpose-driven businesses. Um, The B Corporation movement in the UK is fantastic as well. So that's just a personal plug for that. So those are some examples. Um, And my last section is going to be about like the strategy for doing it yourself so just before i dive into that are i was there... going to say do you want to answer we've got a bunch of questions on the private channel and the public channel here
1: do you want to dive into those first or after then
0: yeah if you just if you throw a couple at me now that uh that maybe i can try and help with pete yeah cool uh chris says do you structure your questions going back to your earlier slides to ensure there is action yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't. I haven't thought about that in sort of detail. I think the questions are really like the catalyst. So it's just like, oh, I'm interested in this. What if? Wouldn't it be better if? What, what would the world look like if? That's a kind of entrepreneurial mindset. In terms of like tipping them into action, I think the key is to ask someone else. So not just yourself, because otherwise it's just you and your note paper and your journal mm-hmm. and, your, okay, people throw this stuff out on social media, but or, or in their in their teams but i think one of the reasons a lot of us are hesitant or have been hesitant in the past to do that we're like what if someone you know takes this idea it's less around the idea or like to you know that's we're too overwhelmed with information to worry about that and it, the execution as i'm about to to reiterate is the key to it all um so yeah accountability the best way to do it is announce it publicly I and mean, that's kind of how we launched the island project we asked the question we spent six weeks and the thing that tipped me over the edge to to launching that project which was ridiculously ambitious and naive and everything else but that's what you need to launch a, a big adventure kind of uh project was the fact that it was something very mundane it was the fact that i was i was 25 at the time and my young person's rail card in the uk was about to expire and for me that was a signal that oh i'm about to become a real adult not an 18 year old adult which we know is just It's just, it's like maturity-wise, at least for me, I wasn't an adult then. Mid-20s, I was like, I've got to start doing something, I've got to start doing something now, haven't I? Rather than just having these adventures and being part of interesting projects. And so I was like, right, the path is very clear. It's either, right, try and get that graduate, you know, try and get that job, or it's about going off and doing something uh, completely different. And that was a trigger for me so i'd also think about like what are the things that trigger you to act in your life and if you're trying to turn something push yourself into action uh, have those triggers nearby or that person nearby that pushes you um the other thing that reminds me that question reminds me of is when i when i was asking that question back then around the island adventure i didn't tell many people because i knew the most people will go, what are you doing? That's a stupid idea. That's crazy. And so, you know, come to your entrepreneurial communities, come to those people who have that kind of growth mindset, sense of adventure to get that energy. If you need, that's what you need to get it going because they'll build on what you're trying to do rather than go, no, 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 that's not going to work. Mm. Uh, if they say, no, it's not going to work, it definitely won't because it'll put you off. Uh, any other quick questions? Yeah, so Jeanette
1: says, I'm glad we set up a Facebook community in 2019, but I want to bring this audience to my virtual events slash in-person events. Is there a way to build this quickly as building trust takes time? Another good question.
0: Yeah, so sorry, the the, uh, the question is around how do I translate my Facebook group into a real into a virtual event? Into, yeah, virtual in-person events, yeah. To build quickly as trust takes time, yeah. Yeah, trust does take time, but actually moving into different activities doesn't. And um, the key to it all is knowing your community and know, like what's the reason they're all on your Facebook group? What did they come there in the first place? Like, what are you helping them with? What are they helping each other with? Um, And the answer to that question will then lead to how you frame, here's what we're doing next. And then it's about testing. Um, and you say, right, the great thing about having a community of some kind in place is that you can say, oh, we're going to try and do this thing, but if it's not aligned to the reason they came there in the first place or the core thread that ties them together, they're not going to, you know, it's like, think about those subscription boxes that you get through the post and they all have a bunch of flyers in for other subscription boxes. Mm. And the reason they're all advertising in there is not because just because you like buying chocolate you might then buy coffee, it's because you like subscription or you're open to buying through subscription. You trust the process of subscription and delivery. And so it's thinking about like, well, what's the parallel to that? What can we help people with? And um yeah. And the key obviously with community is not abusing the trust. So if you I think that one of the things I'm going to mention in a minute is like around strategy is like not not to overpromise. Um and so sometimes asking the smaller questions is sometimes quite, would you like to join me in doing this? Reading books, okay. Not very exciting, but easy to say yes to. Um yeah. So shall I move on, Pete? And then we got I want to run through the strategy for 10 minutes so that everyone's got the tools. And then if there's any more questions after that, we can do that.
1: Yeah, there's a bunch more. So we'll we'll come back and answer the other questions if you, if you Yeah, know, guys.
0: Okay, we'll try and get through them. So how are we going to go about building a tribe or, or growing our tribe that we've currently got? Uh, Thursday 14th of May was last week, so I'm not up to date. Uh, but let's say Wednesday 20th. Why is today the best day in history to start something? Well, you've already got lots of reasons. There's all the cliches, seizing the moment. Uh, if you don't do it now, you never will, all that kind of stuff. But also the context of the world we're living in, not just in the last decade, but in the last 10 weeks is that now is the best time ever to start something. We've got the tools. Look what we're doing right now. We're sharing. This is, you know, really cheap, quick way to connect and share tools and ideas that would have been much harder before. Um, We can get out to new markets really quickly. We can find our niche audiences, not necessarily easily, but cheaply. Um, and put our ideas and our and our sort of thoughts in front of them we can invite people from any different part of society who is at least online to join in um, so that in that way it is a lot easier to start something um, but good ideas come from different places and I think this is something we can get hung up on especially when community building um, is to go back to like that moment where you're really feeling that problem or you want to you want to test something out and really acting on it and inviting people to join. It's almost like thinking about who might be a good business partner for me on this, rather than proposing. You say, "Hey, I'm doing this thing. Do you want to come with me?" So it's more show, don't rather than tell or ask. It's like I'm going to try this thing. Um, who wants to come along? And this is a really good reminder. This is from Derek Sivers, uh, who who was the guy behind CD Baby back at the turn of the last dot com crash and uh, managed to get in that small window between buying CDs in a shop and downloading music online and and do rental CDs, which to anyone who's under 30 just seems like a stupid, ludicrous thing, but it was (laughs) for a while. Uh, CDs and DVDs were rented in the post. Anyway, uh, he he was very successful executing on that. And he's a very good guide on sort of a lot of business stuff. And one of the things that I love about him is this idea about the difference between uh, ideas being a multiplier of execution. So, if you look at this table, these are made up values, right? But it's the relationship between them that's key. So uh you think of a, a brilliant idea, say it's worth 20 pounds, and multiply it by weak execution. You still have a venture of some kind. It may not last, but you, you can do it for a while. Uh think of a think of an average idea and like execute it really well. You know, I don't know, a rubber. <laughs> it's like uh, that's potentially really thing is every brilliant idea and high everything that's successful in hindsight looks like a brilliant idea. So you could say something like, Look at um Airbnb. That to me, without the execution, is a terrible idea. Like getting people to move into each other's homes. There's a massive trust issues there on both sides, but they've executed it brilliantly. They've got a big mm-hmm. challenge right now, of course, but they have executed yeah. it brilliantly. So the point is this is that Whatever your idea as a community or as a startup is, it's what you do with it. And especially with community building, if you don't invite people to join and try, you'll never get going. Um, so these are the five R's that I've mentioned before. But um, these are kind of things that I think if you apply to whatever you're doing, they should help you structure your ideas of what to do next a bit more clearly. Um, so the first one we've talked about is reason. So this is your kind of your why. Uh, How might you convince your friends and families to do things differently? What is the purpose of what you're doing? And it doesn't have to be world-changing. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, solve every problem in someone's life. Ideally, it doesn't. And I think actually we're probably some of the most successful communities out there are the ones that solve a very specific problem for a specific audience. And like, don't worry about scaling. Just worry about like, how can I obsess around this, this one problem? Um, and great businesses and products do that and, it's, and that's it's a really good way to think about community building as well um, the second one is rituals so what we mentioned is like the walk on the water and in traditional cultures and, and indigenous communities ritual is what really helps people identify each other um, it is what bit makes culture uh, each culture unique uh, but in your community what is it that's brings people together slightly unique. So Rebel Book Club, for example, every month at our meetups, whether in person or online, we have a cocktail. So we have have someone designing a cocktail that's linked to the book in some tenuous way or inspired creatively by the book and the theme. The cocktail is made, and we all drink that together or we make them at home. We do cocktails from your cupboard at the moment at home. Um, so that's a little ritual. It's kind of not really related to improving your reading habit. It's not really related to getting value out of books, but it is our little thing that we do together. Um, and we've done it every month, you know, and it works really nicely. So what is your ritual? And don't force these rituals. Think about, like, observe as you start to get your community going. What are What do people keep doing that's kind of, or different or inspiring? And then could you turn that into a ritual? And don't do something too big because it will be a lot of work. Keep it small and simple. Um, Rhythm, this is slightly different from ritual. They can get confused, but rhythm is like the trust, on the trust building sides of running a community. So what are the things that you're promising at the start that you will do, that you will keep doing? So every Monday, Escape the City sends a newsletter with 10 exciting opportunities. Now, that's a big promise, but it's okay. If you're, if you're willing to do that and it's going to be a big part of like building your community and, and your business, then that's great. They've sent over 500 of those in the last decade. Um, and even if you don't like your sorry, even if you do like your job, you do love running your business, it's still a great newsletter to to receive because it's just exciting opportunities in the world that inspire you. So what is it? What's the rhythm? What's the thing that you do regularly? Rebel Book Club, it's really clear. It's one nonfiction book a month. It's one cocktail a month. It's one meetup a month. Um, And that's our way of just saying, okay, if you're a member, you don't have to worry about that stuff. We're just going to put it, send it to you at the right time. And that's the thing that helps build trust and also a good relationship in a community. Is so You'd like, you know, churches on Sundays at 10. Okay, great. That it's, that. it's that like feeling of being held within a group of people and you know what's coming. So think of all those institutions or communities that you're part of where you know what happens. It's that certainty that actually makes the relationship within the community stronger. And which is why they're so important right now when there is so much... Uncertainty. Um, respect. This is probably the hardest thing to build in the community, but essentially what are your rules of the road? How do you how are you together? How do you communicate? How do you work together? You are leading it, but, but what is the relationship between your members? What are the rules? And these can get complicated quite quickly if you don't get them clear up front. Um, but it might be as simple as saying, you know, when people sign up or join the first event or come to the online page or whatever it is, that this is how we operate. Uh, this is this place is to talk about books. In this way, we're looking for we're not looking for grand critiques. We're just looking for people to share their insights, their feelings, and then what they learned from it and anything related to resources. So you just kind of set it up really clearly. You can use this space to connect with people like this, you can't use it to do that. And then if people abuse it, you can you can take it out, you can you can ask people to leave. But if you get that right at the start and you get your first members of your community really aligned on like what you're doing and how you behave, it's so much easier to grow it from there. If you get some difficult, challenging uh, influential characters early on, then it can be trickier uh, the culture can be so in a small pool uh, one strong voice has a much bigger impact than in a, in a larger pool obviously so yeah get your rules of the road clear and keep them simple and then, then finally how are you rewarding the people who are taking part in this now the reward might be really clear a book a cocktail an event new friends but it's important to spell out just like you would with any business your features and benefits of your of of buying this product or service it's really nice organic coffee it's fresh natural food you know pret but like in terms of community it's like together we will get this this and this think of crowdfunding what the rewards are it's not just you know whatever the product is it's the feeling of being part of this thing that you get so be really explicit about the what the reward is especially as a team um, leading this but also for your audience and your members so, those are kind of the five R's um, which really brings it, there you go, I've got them all in a line here. So, for the tactic for this, if you wanted to apply this very scientific approach to community building, uh, would be to come up with ideas for each of them, for each stage, like for your own community, for your own idea. Um, if you're in a team, great, do it together, get them do it all privately. And then throw all the ideas in the mix. When you're brainstorming ideas like this, this is just a general thing. I like, do it anonymously so that, you know, there's no hierarchy afterwards. Like, oh, Ben's come up with these ideas. So we have to take them really seriously or not, as the case may be. So try and do it anonymously. Um, and then pick one or two to test and measure lean startup style. So that would be the kind of real sort of structured approach to it if you're an established organization or community if you're doing it from the start it's it's probably a little easier a um, little less um so yeah those are those are some of my thoughts um happy to take questions or feedback um, and yeah definitely can share the slides so Peter I don't know if you have any any other questions there or whether um, people have got questions or comments specifically that I can help with
1: yeah I'll um, I've just been busy taking taking lots of notes Ah, <laughs> let me uh let me dive back into the questions because there were a bunch yeah warren says um my business is an element of bringing together different tribes um what's your thoughts about building tribes but empowering other people as they have the real understanding of their network to become the leaders on my behalf nice one warren
0: yeah so warren i think this em- empowerment's really key in like in those that sort of structure talk about that's what it's kind of like what's the what are the rules of the road how how am i if i'm being invited to join this community what are the roles within it is it really that you're going to just be able to do this and it, so for an example when we ran the island projects as i'm sure you can imagine it attracted all kinds of characters and they came it became real life in the sense that they came to the beach and there was sort of like oh you're going to get to build this island paradise and yeah it was a, it was it was interesting. It's why we got a lot of attention for the project, because it, people knew it was going to be complicated. Mm. Um, and so I think you know, you've know you got to think about exactly what you're asking, offering people the chance to be part of, because the risk with community building, and this is a really important point, is that if you give people a blank canvas to, to basically either like dump all their worries of the world uh, <laughs> into this space, like, hey, what's up? What do you need help with today? Oh, I'm feeling awful about this, this, and this. Um, or if you just say, you can do anything you want. Um, and then like people, we should, this, we should do this, we should do this, and it gets chaotic quite quickly. Mm. So it's being really clear. If you Empowerment is crucial in terms of like people feeling like they're genuinely contributing to the, to the mission of what we're trying to achieve together, whatever that is. Um, and in Rebel Book Club, it's really simple. It's like your responsibility is to keep up with your reading and we're going to push you to do that and then to come to our event and participate. Um, and that's that's empowerment, right? Because, and they get to vote on the next book. So that's, the, they, they don't feel particularly radical or rebel, <laughs> ironically, but they are actually really, it's a really simple, nice way for people to engage in something without too much effort. Mm. Um, so oh. yeah, sorry, that was a rambling answer.
1: Yeah. Um, who wrote that quote? Keep your head in the clouds, Jeanette.
0: Ah, oh, it's a really good question. It's my. It's kind of the mantra that I think it's been iterated on, um, but it's a mantra that I've. Um, I keep coming back to and the reason why, especially in the context of community building of keep your head in the clouds, but your feet on the ground. And I think this is super relevant to where we're at right now with what's going on outside. Mm. Is that this idea, especially to entrepreneurship and community building, but it's this idea that, okay, if we write a business plan, you've got like, here's your financials, here's your plan for the next bit of time, like next few weeks, few months. Uh, and then you've got, where you're trying to get to in a few years, which you're pitching to your investors or your, like, your hopes and dreams in here. Um, and then you've got the middle ground. Um, now, we can't control the middle ground. We couldn't control it before much. Now, as in May 20, June 2020, we control it even less. And that timeline of like what we control has come towards us, right? Because it used to be, oh, I can control the next 6 to 12 months. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, can I control the next 6 to 12 weeks? No, the next 6... Date, six hours? No, it's like, hopefully we are back to the next few few days, weeks at a time planning. But, and so that suits entrepreneurial mindset. Um, but in terms of, you know, the focus then is really about, okay, what's the overall vision here? Does that change? Does, does our mission change? Does what we're trying to do together change? Hopefully not because that that should stand regardless. But what are we doing right now? What Our feet on the ground. What are we doing today? Well, meeting you guys, giving you as much attention and energy uh, as possible for an hour. That's my focus. There's nothing else. I mean, that's straightforward, right? But that's that's my feet on the ground right now. Um, And so it's just like, and then the bit in between, leave it. Let it go because you can't control it and it's no point, you know? So you're going to have your financial forecast for the next three weeks, three months, and then you're going to have your like three-year one. And the kind of three-year one, you just put them on the side at the moment. You just double down on like, where are we at now? Where are we at now? And then it's the same with communication with your your audience, your customers, your members. It's saying, right, this is where we're at today. And, And I've seen a lot of communication over the last few weeks. It's been brilliant because it's just been honest and transparent but it's also been a lot of like here's our take my like number of corporate emails around like here's our take on where we're at with COVID it was like I don't really I don't really care what you think It shows the relationship I have with those brands but also it's like I'm interested in like how this affects me and my life and the things I care about all the communities I care about all the causes I care about so you know being able to say things like We're doing this thing now because of what's happening Um, and we think this will be a great way to adapt to the situation and um, this is where we're at. And so, yeah, head in the clouds, feet in the ground. So don't stop dreaming. It's always going to be, there's always an upside Um, and uh, but keep taking those small steps every day. I like it. Um, It's interesting, like so many uh,
1: or or a number of the different um, founders, CEOs that I've spoken to over the last six seven weeks doing this here on on live webinars have literally done that you know um put the five ten year plan to one side we're talking like you know 100 million dollar businesses in 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 some cases and literally going right the focus is next four weeks what are we doing what are we doing
0: yeah and i think and so the dual things that i care about entrepreneurship and community are they're just becoming really even more important right now as entrepreneur entrepreneurial skills you're seeing this in leadership skills right across Mm. you know especially the softer skills around the ability to empathize be compassionate just basically to talk the language of the people that are are being hurt at the moment is leading to stronger leadership you know you've seen with the you know the the um and the clarity around the communication so you're seeing you know the new zealand prime minister the german prime yeah so so the the point is is that uh, they tend to the whole be women over men, which says something as well. So so there's something around like um communication and clarity and compassion, but there's also around resilience and tenacity and then of course creativity. So that skill set which is so crucial for getting ideas out into the world is really important for many types of leadership uh, leaders now. The other the other thing in terms of community building is that as we were talking about earlier is this thing of coming together is like we we people come together more when there's there's something they stand against um or they're standing for. So you know war is obviously the extreme example of that um when you have a real enemy. But we have a different kind of enemy now which is like we have to come together. And it's hard because the irony is that we're coming together at a time where we can't physically be together. Yeah. And that's yeah. why online communities and networks, as much as the screen time is a headache, it's also a really interesting time to see how, how it's being built. And I think what's gonna be one of the things that's gonna be really positive over the coming months and year is that we're going to see a lot more simplification of communication and products and services because people cannot cope Mm. with the overwhelm of fake news, data, content, and so on. And so, the, the products and services and communities that I think will succeed will, one, be solving real problems for people, They'll go up the priority list. Look at the veg boxes. Um, The two, their communications will be authentic and clear and simple. And they'll be easy to look at Zoom. One click, boom. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's won the race, hasn't it? It
1: has. A couple of questions um, to to finish off. I won't hog the the chat. Tom, uh, is it easier to build a tribe than find a tribe?
0: (laughs) No. <laughs> definitely not by finding a tribe I see what you mean it's more about like what's the right community for yeah. me that's not an easy journey um that's life's journey right um so I think that actually you know if you're a, it depends what you want to start or what you're interested in um there's in terms of finding the right communities audiences and connections for you um it's all about trying it's like dating you've just got to go out there and join a bunch of things. It's a bit like how you might test products or services. You'll be like, "Oh, I'll do this for five minutes." It's the way I approach uh, tools that I might use to build stuff online. I give them ten minutes of my attention completely, and if I don't like, if I need a new tool, and if I don't click with it within ten minutes with my focused attention, then I'm moving on. Mm. Um, And I think that's the same with communities is you can like sign up to a bunch of things and just see how the communication, the language is early on. And that's from a business point of view is all the UX, right? It's it's how you onboard people, how you bring people in. It's so crucial that copywriting, that first impression. Um, And it's really hard to do well. I would say my personal feeling is like uh, it it depends what stage of life you're at and what you're looking for, whether it's something completely spiritual or whether it's like a practical response to a, a situation in your life um, but yeah the more you try the more chance you'll have of, of finding it um, and if you really get stuck then make your own start your own but do yeah. it if you can yeah uh, okay so time for the last
1: question probably so here's one um, have you seen changes in the type of communities or the way they're be- being built since the advanced use of tech
0: such as social media online platforms etc that's a really good question chris thank you yeah, totally, Chris. It's um, it's changed in many ways. That, that conversation we were having around trust being distributed has played a massive part in it. So, globalisation of tech and communications um, has has definitely been a, the, the upside of that has been that people be able to gather around things that are important to them, regardless of where they are. Um, and we're, remember, we're still talking about above. We're still talking about people who have access to uh, Wi-Fi and hardware, like. Phone, smartphones and laptops, which is growing all the time, but there's still a lot of people, even in the UK, who don't have that. So there's an accessibility issue still there, and I think we've got to remember that when we're when we're doing this stuff, who we're trying to help. Um, but also, it's kind of it's kind of like it is easier to try the things out, and there's less to lose. Like if you imagine trying to start something before, you have to go and put posters up. You'd have to, like, even reputationally, and you're within that sort of small little community in your village, in your town, in your neighborhood, you'd have to put yourself out there as like, I'm doing something different. Whereas now you can put yourself out there in different guises and forms online quite easily. Um, and no one, you know, here's a, here's a harsh reality, uh, which I think is also a positive. No one cares. Mm -hmm. No one cares. And this is true of starting a business or starting a uh, building a community. No one cares unless it starts to positively or negative, negatively impact their life. Um, as soon as it does, then, you're, then they will come back to you. And they will be like, oh, Ben, this is really, I'm going to dump on my, we see this on Twitter, especially, you know, people post something and it's like, ah! You know, but no one no one cares until something has real value to them, to the to the person that is being put out there. So that's the great thing about you know the idea difference between ideas and execution. Once you have helped somebody or hurt someone, hopefully not, but once you've helped somebody in their life, then they care not about you, but they care about what the thing that's helped them and which you're behind. So that's the tipping point, that's where it gets interesting. And that's why it's great at the start, because you just go, here's the thing, who wants to join? Danny Wallace style. Join me, and if no one does, change change your message, change your pitch, mm. try someone else.
1: That's great. Um, to finish up. Warren says, Ben, that's either the best green screen or the tidiest bookcase ever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Warren, listen. I there's this great. Uh, <laughs> it's on Twitter. There's a thing called Book Credibility, which was started like a month ago and now it's got a load of followers yeah. and it, all it does is take it takes screenshots of uh, people who are on news programs sitting in front of their bookcases going oh, you know this is what this what i think about the world and um and then book credibility just like talks about how much credibility they have depending on their alignment of books and cases and colors and all this sort of stuff um i i think it yeah i the only reason i do it is, is this marketing for um rebel book club so all these books here we've read did a book like, you know, a book, got this one yesterday, which is all about the positive human kind, human kindness and the sort of human nature, which I'm really excited about. So yeah, it is, it is uh, very deliberately set up, but it's also my work. So, you know. And like, your kids haven't pulled them off the shelves either. They've got, they've got their own shelves that way. So, yeah. Uh. <laughs> That's
1: awesome. Um, and remind me, uh, URL for Rebel Book dot .club, isn't it?
0: RebelBook .club. If you want to sharpen your your reading habits, um, we'll go, we've got fifth birthday on Tuesday, so if you sign up before then, you can join our little party online. Um, we're using a really cool platform called Hopin, uh, which is which is really interesting. It's like Crowdcast, but we're more like breakout spaces. So actually, the, the meetup stuff we're doing is is kind of interesting as well. But yeah, it's all about reading habits um, and connecting with like-minded people who want to do something with the stuff they read. Um, awesome. And then we're reading book. We're reading a book. We're reading around the theme of gender bias. So we're going to be looking at books like I don't know which one's going to win yet, but books like this, Invisible Women, which is all about. Uh, data bias in the world so we're really interested in like okay there's an article i want to read about or i read about but i don't know much more i know it's a thing that's happening right now like gender and data and like the stuff happening there but i don't have time in my life so rebel book club helps you dive into something a bit of a boot camp and then learn from experts so that's what we do every month
1: Great. Well, I've, um, I'll send everybody who registered as well an email and I'll link um, Rebel Book Club. And what's the easiest? Is, is just Rebel Book Club put as the link or it yourself LinkedIn or anything like
0: that? Yeah, yeah. So you've got my name. Just I'm, I'm online. Wherever you want to connect that so I'm online, then give me a shout.
1: OK. And um, yeah, thank you all for, for joining us. And, and again, lastly, looking to launch a podcast. I hear Ben, is
0: that right? Oh, uh, yeah. This is where this is where the it's
1: accountability. About. I thought I'd bring it back
0: yeah i know there's a lot of podcasts out there it doesn't have to be a podcast but i've been wanting to turn like some of these stories i've been sharing around community building into a uh, regular thing so podcast is just one way of doing it but like the conversation i had with the founder of sofa sounds the other day is like, so valuable and i'm just like i want to share it with more people so the podcast or the project is going to be called tribe builders and uh it's coming soon okay got it okay or microsoft products
1: well, if I can what? help you in any way with the podcast, do um, do give us a shout. Happy to have a chat with you and oh, give you- I'll check a- it awesome. out. Yeah.
0: All right. Thank you. Everybody. You guys. Good luck, everybody. Take care.
1: So I hope you enjoyed that. As I say, that is in my top five, maybe top three that I've hosted over the last hundred, hundred and thirty days, and I've done over. 160 of these now, guys. Pretty impressive content machine, aren't I? Um, and that doesn't include... Yeah, it does. It does include... Yeah, I'm just, just double-checking in my brain all the lives I've done as well in the Podpreneur uh, Facebook group, which is free for you to join if, like Ben, you are looking to create a podcast. And couple of learning points there. I love the five R's, reason, ritual, rhythm, respect, and rewards. Um, And apart from trust, empowerment being crucial to effective tribe building. Um, And it's, you know, it's one of the hardest things that most entrepreneurs, most leaders find difficult is uh, delegating, uh, you know, empowering somebody to to get the task done themselves rather uh, than just doing it yourself. You've got to show somebody and let them crack on with it themselves. Let them figure it out themselves or uh, you're never going to get anywhere. So much of your time is going to be taken up. And look, we all have ideas, okay? We all have ideas all of the time. All entrepreneurs have multiple ideas, but an idea without action is never going to move. And you should all know that. How many people do you know who see something like, I don't know, Airbnb or Uber and go, oh yeah, I had that idea. And you're like, yeah, but you never did anything about it, did you? You might have had the idea 10 years before someone else, but the fact you never took any action speaks volumes. Because if it was easy, we'd all be doing it, wouldn't we? Everybody would be an entrepreneur. So take that first step. And I say this all the time when I'm doing my lives and my live webinars or I'm being interviewed myself. And just take that first step. You know what? Just think what is the big domino that's going to knock all the other dominoes over? What is the first action that you can take that's going to make all of the other actions you need to take easier? And it could be listening to a podcast. It could be sending an email. It could be making a phone call. It could be connecting with somebody on social media. Whatever it is, think of that one big domino that's going to knock all the others down. So just a final reminder for my competition to win a mentorship with me, my Podpreneur uh, mentorship, full details on what you get is available at podpreneur.co.uk forward slash learn. All you need to do is literally scroll down on whatever you're listening to this on, hit subscribe, click rate. You've got a choice of five stars. You know which one makes sense. Then right next to it says, write a review and literally a couple of sentences. Let me know why you think you should win the mentorship with me. What would it mean to you? Um, and literally screenshot that review because it takes two or three days for them to register for me to see them. Or, sorry, screenshot that and email it, org Or post about it on social media. Tag me at Alexander Chisnell on uh, Instagram, hashtag screw It. Just do it and I will see it. Have an awesome week. Thank you for listening as always. If you found value in this free podcast, all I ask is that you tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the screw it, just do it hashtag. But if you do, I promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks. I'm at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, plus at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. Alongside the Screw It, Just Do It Facebook page, this houses the Screw It, Just Do It community and has the most up-to-date information on all things Screw It, Just Do It, including all of our live events. I love hearing from you. If you either message me on LinkedIn or email alex at screwitjustdoit.org, I promise to reply. Just give me a little time.